A reading from the 20th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with the first verse. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A preacher named Barbara Brown Taylor said this about this parable. God is not fair. God is generous. And when we begrudge that generosity is only because we have forgotten where we stand. That's not fair. I'm not a betting person, but I would be willing to risk it just once and assume that maybe 90% of us have filed that complaint at least once in our lifetime. Something has happened to us that did not resemble what we thought we deserved out of life. And we have exclaimed... That is not fair. Or life ain't fair. 
And Taylor would tell us, God is not fair. God is generous. Hold on to that. But fair is a word that most parents wish their teenager had never heard. Am I right? You tell them to do something. They say, that's not fair. I can remember when our daughter started doing that and my wife looked at her and said, the fair comes in October in Columbia. (laughs) And I remember thinking that's not really helpful. But maybe it is because fair can be a good word. Like something that's going to be fun and we can go and enjoy it together. You know, the fair was probably called that because it used to be a fair time. Who knows, right? But we had county fairs in York County when I was a kid until Winthrop bought the fairground. They should shut Winthrop down and open up the fair again. <laughs> but I can remember going to the fair and having fun and everything feeling carefree, you know, till you ran out of tickets or ran out of money and then fair wasn't so fair. But fair can be a good word. You know, we talk about fair weather. We mean weather that's not rainy. We mean weather that's not gloomy. It's not going to bring us down. It's going to put us in a fair mood. It's certainly not hurricanes. Or we talk about fair skin having no blemishes and being light. We talk about fair flowers that are pleasing to the eye, pleasing to the mind. They make us happy. They cause us to feel good about life. And fair can be a great word to say to two people who are struggling with each other. When they've asked us to solve their problem, we can say to them, I will be fair to both of you, right? Which means that we're going to park our own prejudices. We're going to put our own opinion aside and seek something good for both of them. And personally, I've never trusted that person who said, I'll be fair to you. (laughs) That's like saying, you're not going to like what I'm going to do to you. But, you know, I was fair. (laughs) Fair can be a good word. But unfortunately, as suggested by its most common use, it's a way for us to say, I'm not getting what is rightfully mine. I'm not getting what I deserve. Fair, fair used that way as when we cry out, that's not fair. That great, great complaint. We say that because we're not getting our way, we're not getting what we deserve, and that's not fair, dear ones, is the battle cry of the envious. When someone is envious of something someone else has or has done, or some recognition another person has gained, when they say that's not fair, you can rest assured they're going to attack that person or the person that gave them whatever they want. That's what's coming next. It is the battle cry of envy and pride in us. That's not fair. It is the call of a demonic spirit of envy that tempts us to have pride and so much pride in us that we stand up and say, what about me? What about me, Lord? I wonder what exactly we would think exempts us from suffering like other people suffer. I heard a story recently about someone who had lost a child. And a person came up to them meaning well to pray with them and talk to them. And and their prayer in the midst of it, they said, Lord, please let this never happen to me. 
a statement about fairness. I don't deserve this. I'm sorry it happened to her, but I don't deserve this. Fairness. Fairness is a concept that probably is really just about making sure we get the same everyone else gets, no matter what. And it's born out of envy. The shouting of that's not fair is born out of envy. Something that Paul said was one of them deadly sins. One of the ones that will steal our very heart. And in the 14th chapter of Proverbs, we're told especially that thing. Proverbs 14.30 says this. Listen to these words carefully. A heart at peace gives life to the body. I think we could affirm that, couldn't we? A tranquil heart, a heart that's comfortable with itself and content, lives in life. It doesn't struggle against anything. It doesn't struggle against others. But listen to what comes after the comma. A heart at peace gives life to the body, comma, but envy rots the bones. Envy's what popped up in those people who were hired first. They said, hey, these guys are getting a denarius, a daily wage, and they only worked an hour. Just think what we're going to get. Think what we deserve. In the little red book of Titus, in chapter 3, we're told this, We ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. I see that in this story that Jesus is telling. And these people who come, and they would rather that they had got a denarius, that they had gotten a daily wage, and that those people who waited to be hired all day and weren't going to have anything to feed their children if the landowner had not hired them, they want them to be paid less than a daily wage because they didn't work as long as they did. That's the spirit of fairness. And it's not so pretty, is it? It's not so pretty. Envy is a product of being foolish and disobedient. It rots us because it robs us of contentment. It robs us of joy. It robs us of being able to see signs of God's generosity in our own lives and in the lives of others. It's envy that's at the root of the non-kingdom behavior of those who were hired first. Paid last and paid the same as those who had been hired last. Envy keeps us from seeing the generosity of God who keeps on going into the marketplace hour after hour to seek people who need a daily wage, who need to be cared for, who need to be able to feed their families and love their families through giving them what they need. A God who keeps coming and keeps coming, seeking to give and to pay and to serve and to help. Envy keeps us from seeing the generosity of that God who keeps on going into the world seeking 
to include others in his merciful and gracious giving of love, of joy, and of peace, and life, abundant life. Envy causes us to focus on ourselves and what we don't have and what we perceive to be lax in us and what we perceive to be something that God has not done for us. It's envy and pride that provoked Eve to take the fruit from the tree when God had said not to. All because the devil said, you'll just be like God. The serpent whispered to her, oh, you won't surely die. You'll just be like God. And she said, oh, I envy that. I'd like to have that. And so she took it, thinking that well, there's something short or wrong in her, that seemed that somehow God had wronged her. And if she took that fruit, she could have everything she ever wanted. And she rotted at her bones. Because envy and pride brought sin in the world and death in the world. All too often, our response to God's generosity in someone else's life is not praise for our generous God, but grumbling and complaining that we, because after all, we deserve more, did not receive more. How can we receive the same as they? They're not equal to us. So Jesus says, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the same daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us, who would have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. You have made them equal to us, they complained. And how did God do that? By being generous and not fair. Strangely, if said in a spirit of praise, they could have used those same words to celebrate the goodness and the mercy and the grace of the landowner. They could have said, how great are you that you have given them what they need to live even though they only worked for an hour. How wonderfully merciful and gracious of that is of that is of that of you is that, right? Do you see the difference? They could have praised the landowner for his mercy and his love because these people need the daily ways to live. But instead they grumbled because they did not receive what they thought they should have received. And their words are spoken out of the envy that's also often provoked in us by our own pride. It's pride that causes us to envy, and envy causes us to be unable and sometimes even unwilling to celebrate the radical grace of creation's landowner. The Almighty God who seeks to invite all who will come to be met with His generosity. How might we guard our hearts against that kind of envy? I read a sermon this week by Charles Hoffaker, and he said two ways that I thought really were really, really good. He says this about envy. Envy touches each of us from time to time. We all have a strange urge to shut our eyes and sew them together with iron wire so that we no longer see daylight or the splendor of creation or the face of Christ in our neighbor. The remedy for this is twofold. First, we must practice thankfulness to God 
Thank God not only for what is rich and rare, but also for what is plain and ordinary. And you will find that glory flashes in every place, that God leaves no day or hour unvisited. So his first thought is that we would thank God. What would happen if we would thank God for being generous to our neighbors? What would have happened if the first who were hired had thanked the landowner for being generous to the last who were hired? I think that we're supposed to react to this story that way and say, that's right, Jesus, they should have thanked. They should have been glad that the landowner was generous. To give God thanks for God's generosity in every day and ordinary things and all of the things that God does for us that seem plain and don't match our vision of what we deserve. And he says the other is to show kindness to others. This we must do if we are to escape from envy, he says. Show kindness. And the less people deserve it, the better. It reminds me of a conversation I had this week where I told someone that I've learned that it's impossible to hate someone that I'm praying for. I've learned that it's impossible to dislike someone that I'm praying for. I've learned that it's impossible to be envious of someone that I'm praying for. Show kindness. Show mercy. The first group who were hired could have done that by thanking the landowner and praising the landowner for caring for people who otherwise would have gone without. They hadn't been hired until the last hour of the work day. And if they had not been hired, they would have had nothing to feed their families. And the first group's response was to grumble against God's generosity. And it's all about envy. Because they didn't have to work as hard as they did and the landowner made them equal to themselves. We can, we can practice thankfulness to God. To show kindness to others, including praying for people that we dislike, don't like, don't want to like. And third, the third thing we can do is hidden in what Barbara Brown Taylor said. Listen to it again. God is not fair. God is generous. And when we begrudge that generosity, it's only because we have forgotten where we stand. So, dear ones, we can give God thanks for what we see God doing in people's lives, even if God isn't doing it in ours. And we can show kindness to those people who need it. And then, dear ones, we can remember where we stand. And we stand in the tremendous debt of having death lifted from us and given life. For when Eve took from the fruit of the tree... She entered into sin, and sin entered the world, Paul tells us, and it brought with it death. And we all stand in the shadow of the death that came into the world that day. But as we heard Jesus say a couple weeks ago, if we put, up, put away our life and follow Him, then we gain life, and He gives us eternal life. And we stand in the shadow of that gift. 
And so the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. How many of us would dare say we are without sin? Especially sitting here in the presence of people who probably know that you are sinful. How many of us would say that we're without sin and without a debt to God? And yet, yet God's free gift is the gift of life, He says. Listen to the next part. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. We are all being given what we don't deserve. How dare we get upset when God is generous? Because God has been generous to us beyond measure. If God were but fair, we would remain in death and that's all there would ever be for us. So thank God that God isn't fair but generous. And we can avoid being envious of others if we will simply give God thanks for what we see God doing in people's lives. Be kind to people who seem hurt and estranged, who are suffering. Pray for them. Pray for even those that you don't like. And then remember the mercy that we stand under. That even while we were still sinners, Paul says, Christ died for us. That is the shadow that we stand in. In the shadow of the cross. In the shadow of the sign of God's love for us and God's mercy toward us. Because He has paid us more than we could ever think about deserving. And has specifically not paid us what we truly deserve. We will hang on to those things. We can be free from the envy that would cause us to begrudge God's generosity. To be like those first people who were upset that the landowner gave people what they needed to live on. Despite their only working an eighth of their time. God is not fair. God is generous. Offering the same gift of eternal life to all. To you and to me, even though we don't deserve it. Would we prefer that God were fair and left us in our condemnation and left us in our sin? Would we prefer that God always gave us what we deserve? Not me. How do you answer that? Do you want God to be fair with you or do you want God to be generous? And how will you apply that to how you deal with other people? How you think about the hurting and the poor, the disease-stricken, people crushed by hurricanes and earthquakes. Does it not matter because it's in Mexico and not here? How do we respond? How do we respond to God's generosity to us? Perhaps rather than envying God's blessing in the lives of others, it might be possible to celebrate God's generosity in the lives of others. Now I think all that really takes is being thankful to God for what God does for us and what God does for others. Showing kindness to others and remembering what has been done for us 
the mercy and kindness shown to us. And so maybe our God asks us today, are you envious because I am generous? Dear ones, may we respond to God's generosity by accepting the free gift that God offers us. By being thankful to God. By being kind to those that God places in our lives. By praying for those people that we envy, that we hate, that we don't anything, don't anything to do with. By praying that the Holy Spirit might continue transforming us into the likeness of Christ. So that we could love God and love our neighbor with our whole heart. Holding nothing back for ourselves, but celebrating that everything we have and everything we are is a generous gift from Almighty God meant for us to share with the world, not to keep for ourselves. And may we remember where we stand. Because, dear ones, we stand in the mercy of an Almighty God who does not give us what we deserve who does not treat us fairly, but generously and beyond imagination. For God proves His love for us in this, while we were still sinners, while we were the, still the enemies of God, the Son of God, the Christ, died for us. Are we envious because God is generous? I pray, dear ones, that our answer will be no. And I invite you to answer that in your own heart as we sing our final hymn about God's blessed assurance of life. Hymn number 369, Blessed Assurance.